Welcome to Michigan Surgery Sessions, where we discuss the latest in clinical care, education, and surgery culture with faculty, residents, and medical students. Welcome. This is Michigan Surgery Sessions at the Michigan Medicine Department of Surgery in Ann Arbor. I'm your host, Gurjeet Sandhu. When we think about the process and interactions involved in developing the next generation of physicians, effective teaching is truly at the heart of this. Teaching and learning during residency training happens in numerous contexts. For example, simulation centers, clinics, and small and large groups. However, the operating room is a particularly unique and high stakes educational environment in surgical residencies. Here to help us learn more about teaching and learning in the operating room is Dr. Robert Gilman. Dr. Gilman completed his training in dentistry as well as surgical training in both otolaryngology and plastic surgery. Dr. Gilman has taught at Boston University, Harvard University Medical School, and worked in private practice. He joins us now as a clinical assistant professor and director of the aesthetic surgery program with Michigan Medicine Plastic Surgery. Bob, welcome to Surgery Sessions. Thank you, Gertrude. It's great to be here. Also with us is Dr. Catherine Santosa. Dr. Santosa completed medical school at Washington University in St. Louis. She is now completing her chief year of plastic surgery residency at Michigan Medicine, after which she'll be moving on to an aesthetic surgery fellowship with Dr. Nahai in Atlanta. Catherine, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Dr. Gilman, for surgical residency programs, the operating room is also a unique learning environment. Help me better understand what it means for an operating room to also be a classroom. In the operating room, we have a number of functions, especially in a teaching hospital and in a teaching program like the University of Michigan. We have first and foremost, a patient to take care of. And I think we all understand that the care of the patient is the single most important thing that we do in any operating room. But we also have a residency program. And I, like every other plastic practicing plastic surgeon in the world, had to go through training to get to where we are as practitioners. So learning and learning in the operating room and doing in the operating room while you're learning is part of that educational process. So we have a not only the, the safety and well-being of the patient to think about, but how we're going to educate the next generation of plastic surgeons who will hopefully be doing the same thing I'm doing in another generation. So I, I think the awareness of that um, brings us to a balance between uh, teaching and patient care. And that balance is actually uh, beneficial to everyone in that operating room, including the patient. Dr. Santoso, what does it mean for you for an operating room to also be a classroom? Yeah, the operating room is one of my absolute favorite places, um, and I'm so grateful to have the opportunity to enter, quote unquote, my classroom every day. Um, to me, it's not only a classroom where I learn a great deal about how to perform surgical techniques, identify tissue planes, learn anatomy, et cetera. Um, but to me, it's also like a training room. As a former tennis player, I often view the operating room like a tennis court. So every time I get to go to the operating room, I view it as an opportunity to grow, reinforce my skills, and to perhaps learn new ones. In surgeries that I've done many times, I'm using my muscle memory and learning how to teach and coach juniors and mid-levels 
in more complex cases that I've never done or feel unfamiliar with. It's an opportunity for me to learn the quote form, strokes, the angles as I would put in my tennis terms um, for my fellows and attendings. I look at residency as all the practice I put in on the courts to someday be able to perform these operations successfully on my own like Dr. Gilman alluded to um, and really look at them as my competition and my future match day. Dr. Gilman, you engage with learners at all different levels, from medical students to chief residents. How do you approach teaching with such variable levels and skills? I've had a lot of years of of doing this. And at the same time, I haven't forgotten what it was like to be a medical student and a resident and a fresh uh, in practice plastic surgeon Um, And I think that you just have to imagine in your own mind exactly where each of the learners that you're dealing with is in their career, in their uh, status of training, and design your teaching method to be inclusive of each of those variations. And you can, I mean, I think that when you get good at doing what you're doing, so that it becomes, as as Catherine said, a little bit of, of muscle memory. You also can think of ways where you can show, demonstrate, teach by example, by doing, by watching and correcting each of those groups at their level of training. I think that's what being a effective teacher in the operating room is. Again always with the concept that the the patient's safety is the primary objective. So as a chief resident, Dr. Santosa, how do you include learners from from medical students to junior residents? I think the operating room is an awesome place to engage all learners um, at every stage. For medical students, my primary goal is to ensure that they feel welcomed in the operating room um, so that they are comfortable to speak up, ask questions about anatomy, ask why we do an operation, how to manage these patients postoperatively, et cetera, instead of really just focusing on teaching them the technical nuances of surgery. Most medical students definitely love learning how to sew, and I love teaching them how to sew as a plastic surgery resident. I've always felt that my job, though, is to set up medical students and junior learners up for success. So if we're doing an abdominoplasty and there's quite a bit to sew, I don't just leave it all to them to sew on their own, but I usually get them started and give them an achievable goal to sew so they don't feel pressured to perform. And that we're, like Dr. Gilman mentioned, that we're kind of prioritizing the safety of the patient um, and the effectiveness of the OR as much as possible. For junior residents, um, I try to do my very best to verbalize the steps of the operation before or during the case. Um, I also try to relate to them about the steps of the operation that I usually find to be more difficult or things that I used to find really difficult so that when they encounter that step of the operation and struggle, they don't feel alone. They don't feel like they've failed. And with the blessing of attending, especially like one of um, very similar to Dr. Gilman, I also like to allot time for a junior resident to do a particular task um, and let them struggle because I think taking an operation over really um, takes away from that learning opportunity. And I really do believe that struggling is a key component of growth and development as a surgeon. Um, So it's my job as a chief resident, um, again, with the permission of 
a gracious attending like Dr. Gilman um, to allow junior residents and medical students to struggle so that they're able to optimize their learning potential. So it sounds like, Dr. Gilman, you would have Catherine, you would have Dr. Santosa in your operating room as a chief resident, giving her lots of decision-making opportunity, but then you also may have a very novice medical student with you. How do you negotiate that? How do you approach having multiple learners in the OR with you? You have to conceptualize where they are and, and what they're feeling in terms of the type of anxiety a medical student might feel about being in an operating room, which is totally foreign to them at this point, versus someone like Catherine, who's there, uh, but for another few months, ready to go out and be on her own. So I, mean, I was thinking while Catherine was talking that one of my favorite things is, let's just say we're working on a nose and we're elevating um, a, a little flap of tissue and the flap of tissue is over cartilage. And as you go to phone, there's a different feel to it. And that's one of the things that's one of those kinesthetic feedbacks that you're looking for as part of your surgery. Catherine knows it well, having experienced it many times. Medical student has no idea what we're talking about. And the simple thing, we can't, it's not a procedure you'd let them do at their stage. But at the same time, if they're just watching and we're telling them it's no fun, but if they feel the elevator and they're able to scrape it a little bit on the bone and feel the difference between what it feels like when you're scraping it on the bone and when you're scraping it on or hopefully not scraping it, but when you're passing it along the cartilage, you look at their eyes and they light up because, ah, you know, that's that's what it is. And even in residency, as they go along, it, it might be the first stage to elevating that flap might be you're sort of doing it with the resident. It's, it's, it's called, you know, it, it's called graded responsibility, right? The more you know and the, long, and the more along you are in your training, the more you're, you get to do. But at first, it may be you do it, then they do the other side, then they can do it. And then as they do more and more, they get more facile at it. So I, I just love watching that course of learning and that you see in their eyes and their expressions and, and everything else as you're doing it. I'm hearing the joy and the spark that you're talking about. Um, Dr. Santosa, there's a number of studies that point to the role that residents have on medical student specialty selection. What role do you think residents as teachers has in that? I think residents have a tremendous role in the education of medical students. Um, as a medical student, it can be exceedingly daunting to join a large surgical team and meet everybody in the OR, learn how to scrub, not contaminate yourself, learn when to ask questions, round, present, write notes, see patients in clinic, remember resident and attending preferences, and I could go on forever. Um, but it's a ton. And I think as residents, we sometimes forget how intimidating this can all be, even for students who are dead set committed to going into surgery. So regardless of what a student goes into, I think it's imperative that surgery residents take an active role in medical education and be as welcoming as possible. It is an absolute privilege to be a part of their educational journey. And I think the mentor-mentee relationship goes both ways. I often learn a great deal about medical management of certain diseases and disorders from medical students who have more recently rotated on the pediatric service or the cardiology service, et cetera. And I really think it helps them get engaged in the surgical service as much as possible. As a chief resident, I've learned to 
email expectations to my team members at the beginning of every month and emphasize the importance of teaching medical students on service. Um, I think we have a tremendous opportunity to not only impact their professional lives, but we can even convince them to be part of our specialty someday, which I think is um, a tremendous privilege. I love what Catherine just said, because I, I think it, it is so true. And that um, even as an attending, even as an old attending like I am, I, I hardly ever go into the operating room where I don't learn something from the residents. So it is not a one-way teaching. It's not just going from senior faculty to junior faculty to residents to medical students, but it's really a circular event. And, um, and I think the people who are most successful, those, those of us who are most successful in this mission of education, of our next generation of surgeons are going to be people who are flexible enough to and accepting enough to um, to listen to all to listen to the medical students and the residents and and it's no surprise that we learn a great deal from residents and from medical students. So I've been hearing a lot about the effectiveness of teaching and the relationship, um, nurturing that relationship in teaching. Dr. Gilman, can you tell me what might get in the way of effective intraoperative teaching? There are times, and I certainly feel this way, where I really struggle with that balance of responsibility to the patient and responsibility to the resident. Um, I don't like to sort of quote take over or do things, and yet, every, and that there are times where I feel that a portion of an operation, something that we might let under some circumstances, might let a resident struggle with a bit. It's very difficult at times to to do that, um, and trying to decide where that cutoff is of greater responsibility, responsibility to patient, responsibility to resident come through. And that's, I think, sometimes the most difficult thing for me. I came out of a uh, both teaching and a private practice setting. And so I have to admit that there are times where I wish I had not, I wish I had taken more time to uh, allow the person I'm working with to to uh, struggle and where I've just taken over. So I think that's, that's one of the things that is very difficult to balance. And I think some um, teachers are able to do it very well and some teachers can't do it at all and some are sort of in the middle. I personally think that the culture and the environment uh, that an attending sets in the operating room can really get in the way of optimizing an interoperative educational opportunity. Positive tone in the environment really sets the stage for the rest of the day. Everyone in the team then feels free to ask questions, bring up potential issues, and work as efficiently and effectively as possible. I think in a less ideal setting, my learning personally gets stifled because I worry too much about the things that potentially don't matter, like how the attending interacts with the CRNA, making sure that the circulating nurse answers my pages promptly, um, that we've pulled all the drapes that we need. Um, and those are skills that are not directly related to my surgical training. So I think creating a safe and comfortable space in the operating room by the attending is critical. 
I also take this responsibility very seriously for myself um, because if I come to round or come to the OR with less than a stellar attitude, act unprofessionally, treat other members poorly, then I think the team members would feel uncomfortable speaking up, asking questions. And I believe that this kind of environment would stifle learning opportunities for my medical students and junior learners on the team. I totally agree with with what Catherine is saying that the operating room is a a place that is sacrosanct to surgeons, right? It is, it's kind of our temple. It's an incredible responsibility that patients give to us, the perhaps the most intimate responsibility that any interaction can be. They're giving us permission to operate on them. It's important to know that there's a seriousness in the operating room, but it's also important to set an environment that's not always on edge. There are times where you have to be extraordinarily serious no distractions whatsoever. And there are times, most of the time, really, where it's relative routine and the the environment can be very conducive to learning if you're not so anxious that your uh, adrenaline levels keep you from, from really appreciating the points of surgical learning. So I think setting that balance of an environment that's recognized as being uh, serious and at the same time, that can keep a balance of that with comfort for those people working there. If you can do that, you, you will have a successful operating room in all ways, both in patient care and in teaching. I've heard you both sort of mention that learning can be inhibited or the learner can sometimes struggle in the operating room. Dr. Santos, I wanted you to touch on that. What are some strategies that can be implemented to support a resident who might be struggling? I think it's really important to have a discussion before the case and afterwards with any resident, but particularly one who's struggling. Setting attainable goals can also help in this situation. So if a task seems too large, unattainable, or burdensome, I think that stifles learning um, and it further decreases the confidence of the struggling learner, which um, is the opposite of what we'd want to do in that situation. I like to take more of like a bite-sized approach and break up tasks in more attainable ways, just so a struggling learner could potentially attain that goal, develop the confidence, and then potentially succeed and fly. Catherine, one of the reasons I invited both of you here was you had shared an experience with me about operating with Dr. Gilman. I'd love for you to share that with our audience in terms of effective teaching and the joys of teaching in the operating room. Yeah, I think something that Dr. Gilman does um, exceptionally well is he sets just such a positive environment in the operating room. I think from the moment you walk into the operating room and work with him, you just realize that it's going to be a great day. Regardless of what happens, I'm going to learn a ton. We're going to do a great job for the patient. And I'm going to feel really great coming out of work. So being in an operating room with Dr. Gilman for 16 hours really feels like I just binged my favorite Netflix show for a couple hours at home. He takes the time to ask me questions about my personal life. He always asks me about my daughter. And I think um, it really helps that he uh, creates such a positive learning environment for me. Before any complicated case, uh, we all we always talk ahead of time. Um, he asks me to outline the steps of the operation, um, has me analyze the patient. We compare notes. Um, he then has 
you know, a list of his thoughts about the operation. We compare it to mine and we kind of talk through why one um, approach is better than the other, why he prefers one technique over the other. And I think that's a tremendous learning opportunity for me. In the operating room, he kind of alluded to this before, there are some parts of the operation that may just not be suitable for a resident to struggle. And I think he identifies that really well. So the, the portions of the operation he feels that I could do and I can struggle with, he allows me to do. Um, and before I lose confidence or, you know, or become frustrated, I think he kind of, I, he senses it and he's able to kind of navigate me towards success. Um, so it's really hard to define exactly what Dr. Gilman does to be such, such an effective educator, but I think fundamentally it's because he sets um, a wonderful environment in the operating room. He's exceedingly approachable. He likes to dis discuss cases beforehand and really he has a really great idea of what autonomy or when autonomy should be given to a resident and allows you to struggle and always thanks you after the end of the case. <laughs> Catherine, do you remember there was a specific case where you, I remember you came in afterwards and, or you were sharing with me like, oh, I got to do this or there was some, can you describe that? Do you remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, so um, we had my first chief resident case um, in July. I think it was in my very first month as a chief resident and we were doing a mini abdominoplasty and liposuction that was for aesthetic reasons. And I felt like the stakes were exceedingly high because this was my first chief resident case. I wanted to prove something not only to myself, but to the patient and to other people that I could do this on my own. Um, and I remember going to Dr. Gilman and telling him that I was so nervous about the case as I often do. Um, he reassured me that I would be totally fine uh, but that this was my show, I was going to direct it, and he would definitely be there um, for me if I were to need it whatsoever, and he was. Um, so we did the operation, he had me guide him through the operation, and at the very end, we thought that the patient had a really wonderful outcome, so much so that she booked another aesthetic procedure with me through the resident clinic that Dr. Gilman and I got to do together. I just left that experience feeling um, so confident in my skills and feeling as if I had grown as a surgeon so tremendously because Dr. Gilman allowed me to and actually directed me to direct him during the operation, which was a very unique learning opportunity. Dr. Gilman, what kind of cues or, or clues do you look for in order to determine how much leeway to give your learner for, you know, for example, in the operation that Dr. Santosa described, there was a lot of responsibility that you, you gave to her. What do you look for? I've worked with Catherine now for her entire residency career. And it's an interesting thing because Catherine started out as a very enthusiastic resident from day one. And I, I can remember we, we, I used to do a lot of these little sort of surgical dermatology cases at Livonia and we'd have a whole day of it. And Catherine would come out and as a, you know, a PGY1, just to get the sew or to get take a lesion out or to do whatever, she loved it. 
I know her progression of training. I know her level of learning. I know what she's, I can, I've seen her progress. I know, have a pretty good idea of what she can do and what she can't do. If she is coming into the operating room as a chief resident with me on the first day, it would be a different experience. As a relatively experienced surgeon, um, I can look at somebody, operate, know how, get an idea of how comfortable they are, how comfortable they are holding an instrument, how comfortable they are, their body language, all of those things make a difference. How nervous they are. You can, you just can tell that. I think we as individuals know what to, to look for. I don't know that I could put it in, in more specific terms, but um, you, you, you just get to know when someone's struggling, when they're not. And the important thing about that is to turn a struggle into an opportunity. And so if somebody is struggling, then that's a great opportunity to, to sort of demonstrate, let them try and let them see and, and work through it. And then the next time you're in the same sort of situation, then, you know, watch the growth and, um, and confidence. Residents, just like attendings, are different. There are residents that are easy going and, and there are residents that are very tightly wound. And you have to appreciate the differences in learning styles of different, uh, different individuals. Sometimes it may be important to sort of be the demonstrator in a more official way of how you do something. Some people don't take to the stress of struggling very well, and you have to meet that out in smaller doses. But, um, but I think getting to know the person you're working with as, as, a, as a human being, as an individual, and as a training surgeon, uh, those are the those are things that are important skills and important milestones that you have to develop as a if you're going to be an effective educator. Catherine, what can you share with us in terms of strategies that have worked for you as a learner? First, I think is to be prepared. Uh, there's nothing that really substitutes good preparation. One of the things that I do now. Um, is not only read and prep for the case, but I also rehearse the steps in my head and even write them down before each surgery. Um, I think it takes some time to develop this. And as a chief, I feel like this comes much easier to me than you know, as a junior resident or as a mid-level resident. Um, but I think it helps catalog the areas in which I feel comfortable and, the, and catalogs also the areas in which I don't. And so that then allows me to have a discussion with the attending ahead of time. And I've done this with Dr. Gilman before, and I'll just say, hey, Dr. Gilman, I don't really feel comfortable in setting the umbilicus. I know we've done many abdominal plasties before. Is that something that I could um, take a more active role in? And he immediately says, yes, of course, it's all yours. And so I think kind of rehearsing those steps allows you not only to rehearse the steps and be prepared for the case, but it also identifies the areas that I don't worry about too much and the areas that I have parts of the operation in which I have an opportunity for growth and development. Second, I think it's really important to be proactive. Um, I ask now uh, to do the parts of the operation that I don't feel comfortable with um, because I think if I didn't, then I would be allowing my education um, to be stifled. And so I just will ask attendings, 
hey, we've done a couple of these now. Do you mind if I do this portion of the case? And would you allow me to struggle during it? I also am mindful of doing that with junior residents and mid-levels, understanding that there are portions of the operation that they want to struggle with and that are key part of the operation for them to learn from. And finally, I think it's really important to be grateful. I think it goes a long way. I make it a point to thank everyone in the OR staff uh, or OR that day. Um, I thank my colleagues for retracting, talking me through the case. Um, And I always think it's really important to thank our attendings for the teaching that they do in the operating room. I often think that we lose sight of how important it is to express gratitude to all the people, including, you know, the CRNA and the scrub tech and the OR circulating nurse, the anesthesia attending and the surgery attending and junior residents and medical students who all help us become better learners and surgeons. Dr. Gilman, uh, as a seasoned surgeon educator, uh, what are some final pearls, some teaching pearls that you can leave our listeners with? Those of us who have been around for a long time and who enjoy what we do, I think we're most successful when we allow that joy to, to come through. Uh, so I, I would say a pearl is to enjoy every day, be thankful for every day, make the most of every day, and just remember that nobody does this alone. This is a team effort. Great for University of Michigan, team, team, team. It is a team endeavor. And that every single individual that you deal with in the operating room is both a provider and a teacher and a student. Everyone. I don't care whether it's the the person who comes in to clean the room afterwards, or it is the CRNA, or it is another anesthesiologist, a medical student, a resident of any level, and an attending. We are all both learners and practitioners at the same time. Take it easy, listen, and um, try to always put yourself in the shoes of the person who's standing next to you. Those are my girls, I think. Is it bad that I want to hug everybody right now? <laughs> I feel That's like what we're going for. <laughs> um, this has been brilliant. We're blessed, and I know that Catherine's going to go on to to a great career. One of the perks of doing this is to get to watch, you know, people go on and do great things. As they always say, you know, every generation stands on the shoulders of the generation for them to get true satisfaction that. You know, you have something that uh, is passed on to another generation. I think it's, you know, the most basic of biologic principles and uh, it works in education as well. I want to express my gratitude to both of you. Catherine, I know you're behind your mask and all, so I appreciate you still stepping into this conversation. I have immense gratitude to both of you for helping us better understand intraoperative teaching and learning. That's Dr. Bob Gilman, plastic surgeon with Michigan Medicine. Bob, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure, Gurdjieff. I'm really glad that I have had the opportunity to um, talk about this. It's it's a subject that I care a lot about. Uh, it's great to have uh, a resident like Catherine to bounce these things off of. And also with us was Dr. Catherine Santosa, Chief Resident with Michigan Medicine. Catherine, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's been a privilege chatting with you and Dr. Gilman, individuals at Michigan Medicine who have trained me to be 
the best learner and surgeon that I can be. You've been listening to Michigan Surgery Sessions, and I'm Gurjeet Sandhu. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to the Michigan Surgery Sessions podcast. To learn more about the Department of Surgery at Michigan Medicine, our people, and our programs, and to find more podcasts, visit our website at medicine.umich.edu slash dept slash surgery.